everyone, welcome to the Funnel and E-Commerce Podcast. Each episode, we interview e-commerce experts to bring you the latest insights. We'll tackle the latest trends and topics that matter the most to e-commerce pros. I'm Shannon Keneally, the content writer at Blue Acorn. I'm Casey Long. I'm a client success manager at Blue Acorn. And today we've got uh, Greg Harville with us, who is a principal front-end architect with us at Blue Acorn. Hey, Greg. Hey, how's it going? And today we're talking uh, UI for mobile payments. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think we just want to dive into kind of trends, Greg, since you're the, you know, one of our front-end experts here, get a sense of why these things are becoming so popular in the marketplace and why customer e-commerce customers are um, gravitating towards them. So what what's going on? Why are customers going moving more and more towards mobile payments? Uh, the short answer is convenience. As we gravitated culturally away from cash and check-based payments, you know, carrying around cash or carrying around checkbook um, to pay for things at the store, towards using a card for everything, you know, sort of in the late 90s, early 2000s, people just stopped using their checkbooks as much. And then about 10 years ago, we started carrying around something else in our pockets um, in the form of smartphones. And ever since then, you know, app stores are just pumping out apps. We take these things with us everywhere. We put everything on them. Our lives are just all over the place inside of them. Um, so it was natural to say, hey, I'm carrying around these two things, you know, a wallet and now my phone. What if I could only carry around one thing or what if I could make this this one thing more convenient for me? And I think that's where we started to get mobile payments sort of popping up in stores and being available to us. It's funny you say that. I remember, um, I think I might have been in the last like uh, class of people to where teachers talked about learning how to balance a checkbook in high school and now it's not even a thing anymore. It's not a thing. I mean, you still need to have a balance or a sense of you know what you owe and what to do and things like that. Um, I definitely had a checkbook growing up, and, and I had the carbon paper like, my graph in the back. Doesn't even have a carbon paper anymore. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, haven't, no. I haven't had checks in probably fifteen years now. But I'm with you. Yeah, like swiping a card and just looking at your online balance. I mean, and again, like this isn't doing with mobile payments, but like to your point, it's just like it's all electronic and mm-hmm. and yeah. And so, like to to your to also to your point, like. Do you think even cards are going to go the way of the Dodo soon, too? Like, it's all going to be smartphone-based? No. I think that, for the most part, you know, it'd be great. It'd be ideal. Um, but I think that every day you're going to hear about data breaches and just all sorts of who has access to my data, who has access to my privacy concerns. Um, they're going to come from, you know, major Silicon Valley vendors are going to have data breaches, and your politicians and your, you know, your lawyers and things like that, they're going to have concerns about your privacy, about your security. Um, so I think that you're going to have physical things for a long time. And I think that having just sort of just digital access to every part of your identity, while it's becoming easier and easier, I think it will be hard for that to become any sort of legislation or something that provides protection to you and allows it to actually occur. Gotcha. No, I mean, that makes sense. And, and so like for, I mean, since we're, you know, trying to speak to the e-commerce director out there at a particular company, what do you see as sort of, um, 
you know, frustrations of the average consumer on shopping on mobile. So like what do e-com directors need to think about when they're trying to up their mobile conversion and leverage, you know, just sort of capitalize on that, that trend. Making it easier for your customers to do that. I mean, that's the biggest frustration that customers have themselves. Um, and it should even be the the frustration of these e-commerce directors of people that are you know managing merchant sites it's going to be that it's difficult to check out right now um, right now you, you've got Amazon and everybody wants to base the world around Amazon because that's that's Amazon and Amazon is their own thing and they have their own specific business practices that work for Amazon and one thing that they do really well is mobile checkout my wife has no problem making tons and tons of purchases on the Amazon app and I do it too. Um, and one click buy. <laughs> one click buy, right? And it and it makes your life super, super easy. Um, but if I want to go to a particular merchant's website and, and purchase something, I'm not guaranteed to have that sort of ease of use. And I'm not saying, you know, like one click purchase is the way to go. Uh, but a lot of frustrations that consumers have is that when they go to the site and they're in the checkout process, they're having to enter in tons and tons and tons of information on a tiny little keyboard. And you can't really see it on a podcast. I, I've got pretty decently sized hands. Um, and it's very difficult to type a ton of information in. And I know myself, I'll just go to the desktop and make the purchase. Um, if you are going to invest time and money in your, your website, I think that you should be focusing on that checkout experience, especially on mobile. I mean, it's where most of your conversion is going to, or where most of your traffic is going to come from. It should be where most of your conversion comes from. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I can think of times where like I've seen a paid ad come through on Instagram. I click through to the website and for whatever reason or another, I've bounced just because this experience on mobile isn't great. And I don't know that I would have, you know, that I've necessarily remembered to come back to it later because I haven't been near a desktop kind of thing, you know, like, like, that social media experience, like of being able to see all your products and purchases and things like that, or get these unique ads that are just so tied to you and things that you've seen seems really, really convenient. And Facebook and Instagram, you know, like, these companies make it really, really, really easy for you to just like send out tons of your products to consumers, you know, via a simple feed Mm -hmm. and for them to be able to see them. But at the end of the day, like you still have to do other work. It's not just like turn it on and that's your one answer. (laughs) If if we're bogging down and like putting in our credit card number or, you know, or our PayPal login or something like that, then what's the point, right? Right. I'll put everything in my cart, get ready to go, be ready to make the purchase, and then as soon as my credit card is an autofill, I'm just like, okay, never mind. I don't need that. Like, <laughs> I don't need yeah. that. Yeah. I'll spend 30 minutes browsing, adding things to my cart, and then just forget about it. But Sometimes I think I'm smart about it, too, where I'll just like, oh, well, I'll just add it to my wish list and, you know, just yeah, save yeah. it, mm-hmm. save it, and then go purchase it later on the desktop. But then I get to the sign-up process, and I have to enter in a bunch of information, and then I just give up. Yeah. Right. So, Greg, with checkout payments specifically, what are some of the common frustrations consumers are having? Entering 16 numbers into a form over and over and over again. Um, It becomes pretty frustrating. A lot of browser vendors nowadays, they allow for saving your credit cards. There's apps like 1Password or Dashlane that allow you to save your credit card information and sort of have it automatically populated. 
a lot of this hasn't really taken off on mobile devices though. Um, so mobile users are having to enter their, their information in over and over again. And Apple and Android have both entered sort of created systems of making that a little bit easier. Um, they're not consistent between the two vendors though, and they're a little bit hard to integrate on your site from time to time, such as being able to take a photo of your card and have it automatically scan in the information. Um, or things like Apple Pay, Google Pay, Android Pay, Samsung Pay, you know, we can go down the list of those. They're good ideas uh, in theory, but until people actually start integrating them into their sites the way that um, brick and mortar stores have, it's going to be very difficult for people to sort of get on board with it. Yeah, I actually used to memorize my credit card information, you know, five years ago when mm -hmm. you're used to always putting your credit card information online. And now with Apple Pay, I've never, I've never bothered to memorize my credit card number because I was just didn't need to. So now that's what stops me from making online purchases. I just don't know my credit card info. It's probably a good thing, but. Yeah, I made the switch to Android after being on, you know, in the Apple ecosphere for so long and one of the biggest things that I keep telling myself I have to do is set up Google Pay because I was so used to using Apple Pay, you know, just put my phone down at the register right. and pay or mm -hmm. just hold my, you know, fingerprint reader and make a purchase online. Right. Um, so what can companies do to, or brands to kind of make this ideal user interface for mobile payments? The easiest way to answer this is a one click button. I hit pay with an X, put in my PIN and my billing address. Um, shipping address, payment information are populated because I've already populated them on my phone or in some sort of database safe somewhere. And I click place order and that's it. Uh, that's the easiest way to do it in the sense of for the user, but for a vendor or merchant to be able to do that would require an incredible amount of work and effort on their part to have their e-commerce site do this. Um, the easy way to do, or the easiest sort of things to do would be to make the payment process as much like the actual payment method as possible. Um, one thing I like to do and that we've done on plenty of sites was to make the credit card form look like the credit card. You know, most websites, if you go in, you have to fill in your name and your address, and then you put in the number and the date. Um, but I like credit card forms where it's just like, hey, what's the number? What's the name on the card? Mm -hmm. Date, time, and instead of, or sorry, expiration date, but instead of being like, you know, May and 2021 have 05 and 2-1, just like it appears on the card. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's super convenient for users because then they're just filling out information. And I also really like it when, when merchants basically just ask for the bare bones information. A lot of e-commerce websites, the billing information that they request is just astronomical. They want your, your name, the, the name of your firstborn, uh, your address, your social security number, blah, blah, blah when really it should just be your zip code because that's how they're going to authorize it anyways. I never have to put in anything but my zip code at the gas pump. Why do I have to do it when I'm purchasing something that's 99 cents? Is there any like security upside to asking that other information or are people trying to capitalize on data collection? I'm, I'm not too sure, honestly. Um, it could be 
both. I think it really depends on the merchant. I think it depends on the payment processor. A lot of payment processors out there require all that information from an e-commerce system, but there are some that allow you to, you know, just pick a zip code. For most merchants, though, the, the reason they don't want to do that is because they have to pay more per transaction. Mm -hmm. um, and that cost per transaction, it, it adds up. If you're selling $100 million worth of goods a year and you're having to pay out thousands and thousands in transaction fees, it's not, you know, you're losing on your, your bottom line. Sure. So, you know, when it becomes so easy to make a purchase, I'm assuming this will probably help boost the company's revenue. Yeah, I, th I think if we look back to um, convenience, you know, it allows customers to make the purchases quicker. They're not worried about filling out things over and over and over again. Um, I know that I love it when I can just hit a button and make a purchase, um, especially when it comes to billing information. Your billing information doesn't change that often. Sure, you may ship to 10 different locations, but for the most part, we have one or two payment methods that we use to make purchases online. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it's, I think it's pretty funny that we just keep asking for this same information over and over and over again across all these different vendors. Um, I am interested to see what vendors actually do with that information. You know, I know some of it has to go to the payment processor, and the payment processor is responsible for maintaining it and keeping it secure, but. What, what is the vendor doing with it? Yeah, no, I mean, it's an interesting question. I think if I, uh, if I understand sort of your position, it's like the merchant's going to require a bit, like the, however many fields of information, data points to just authorize the transaction. And then the, like, the brand has got to make a decision about what other data should they ask for? What is the impact of, like, you know to making customers bounce on that and then what what value are they getting for that extra data like is that that sort of the calculation like i could right. i could ask for 20 more data points under the in checkout under the assumption that like oh maybe we'll leverage this for insights later down the road but right. like are you really and you think with gdpr yeah. and like pci you think they want to minimize the amount of data that and there's so many other ways to get information mm -hmm. about your users nowadays that I don't think that just like their billing information is as useful as it used to be. Yeah, like mandating it in checkout, like the you're, the risk re reward of like losing the customer and getting insights. Right, you're not gonna mail them a physical catalog. Yeah, I mean, right. You know, I still get an IKEA catalog in the mail every once in a while, but like yeah. most vendors aren't gonna or most merchants aren't gonna send out catalogs, and if they are, they're gonna do it digitally. Mm -hmm. So what do they need? Your email address? Right, right. You know. If they need your location for personalization or whatever the case is, they've got that. Right. It's not based on your address anymore. It's based on your IP. It's based on your geolocation. So I don't, I don't think it's relevant anymore. And so architecturally, Greg, like what you know, so like so let's say we've got a like you're dealing, we would be dealing with a new brand or something, and they're you know don't have a great online presence today. And they want to start, you know, cultivating that personal online experience with their customers on their their brand website. Um, you know, can you kind of give sort of an overview of how you'd integrate a good mobile payment architecture in your e-commerce? Yeah, platform? so I'm a, a big fan of data and testing. I think merchants can gain a ton of information from looking at analytics or from testing different scenarios to see how they perform. Um, if your view count is 
pretty low on tablets, stop spending money on developing on tablets. Um, maybe you only need two breakpoints. Maybe you only need to support mobile and desktop. If you're not having a lot of conversions, you know, check out your, your checkout funnel, check out your shopping funnel to see if there's, there's a drop-off point. Um, usually with conversions, the first place we like to start is with checkout. Don't be afraid to test the checkout to see if there's improvements that you can make. Especially nowadays with the convenience of mobile payments, might be time to invest on that. Um, but again, it may not be right for your business. Most businesses it's going to be right for. Mm-hmm. Um, and it can be costly, but a lot of vendors these days, such as Braintree, make it easy for you to integrate them. Uh, if you want things like Apple Pay or Google Pay, um, Android Pay, Samsung Pay, etc., I'm pretty sure Braintree offers most of these for most modern or large-scale e-commerce platforms like Magento or Salesforce Commerce Cloud. So it sounds like even if you're a, a brand that's just getting into this, like maybe you're trying to like sort of boost your sort of online presence, get that kind of that that brand that online brand secret sauce. You know, you're chasing that kind of thing for your business. Um, even if today you're not like le- heavily leveraging mobile payments, you you would want to like account for that when you're sort of fielding a platform, right? Yeah, you'd want to account for it. Um, <clears throat> For the most part, the, these merchants are going to have the frustration in they've already spent time marketing and getting people to the site. Now, how are they going to make a purchase? Yeah. So you're, you're completely moving out of sort of that marketing space and moving completely into sales. Um, and the way you judge yourself whether or not a sale is good was by how much money you make, right? By yeah, how much sure. conversions there are. Um, but there's so many other data points that you can use to make sure that you're doing the right things. That I think it's easy for you to, to do things like test with Optimizely or Monetate or whatever and try out some of these sort of integrations with mobile payments or tweaks to your design or UX to make it easier for these users to enter in their information to sort of reduce some of that frustration and, and help these these people that are, you know, I've marketed, I've got the traffic, mm-hmm. but I don't have the conversion. Don't have the conversion. It sounds like the, the ever-present theme in this conversation is like, you can't just throw a widget at it, right? Like you can't just say we're gonna we're gonna go after Apple Pay because if your your checkout experience is inconvenient, you know if the funnel sucks, right? Right. Like, I mean, right. It, it could be that you know you've integrated it and people use it, but they're having difficulty at their shipping information. You yeah. Know, if they have to enter their shipping information first and they're having difficulties there, um, you know maybe it's time to put in like Google Autocomplete for addresses yeah, yeah. or whatever the case is. Um, but testing stuff out and trying to improve each individual step of your checkout is is always a worthy investment for customers. The worst thing that you can do, or the, the worst information that you can find out by testing is that it doesn't work. But that's not bad information because yeah. now you know, good thing I didn't permanently make this, this change on my website because right. we would have been losing tons of money. Um, so I think testing sort of your checkout, sort of your funnel to make sure that you're doing the right things is, is part of it. And I think that focusing on things that users think is convenient is also important as well, whether it's mobile payments or social login or whatever. Um, I think these are very important things that, that go well together and you know help when you're looking at your data and things like that, help you make decisions about what you should be doing. 
a certain point is there like can you integrate too many payment options kind of like that like that grocery store study they did where there were so many cereals or whatever product it was that no one bought any because they were just so overwhelmed is it kind of you just only want to use a few different payment types because now you have micro lending, mobile payments, you know, just normal credit cards. There's so much out there that you kind of have to figure out what, I guess, your consumers would want and use. Yeah, I, th- I think it's really going to be dependent on your business and what your business does. Like if you're selling B2B, obviously you want to make purchase orders available or line of credit or whatever the case is. But if you're, you know, selling just to direct to consumer, I don't think you need a lot of payment options, right? I, I go to the grocery store and I'm making a purchase. I can pay with cash, I can pay with check or money order, or I can pay with you know, my credit card or debit card. I think that it's a little bit hard to do you know, cash and check online, not that it's impossible, but I think just a credit card processor is pretty standard for people to use. Um, and people understand that if they're going to make a purchase online, they need some sort of credit card. But to, to Shannon's question, I, I wonder if, like, is there a point of diminishing returns in, uh, in terms of, like, non-conventional mobile payments you could chase? Like, what, does it get to a point where you're over, like, you have Amazon Pay, Apple Pay, PayPal, credit card? Is there sort of, a like, a nice balance that you've seen um, I that works? I think the biggest balance is in the actual modules and payment processors providing sort of that switch for you. Like if you use Braintree module on Magento 2 mm-hmm. um, and you enable mobile payments, it's only going to show Android Pay for Android users uh, and okay. Apple Pay for Apple users. It's not going to show, you know, like you don't have to make a selection or anything like that. It's just one or the other. I see. So if it's done, if it's implemented correctly and it being like a suite of mobile payments, it shouldn't be cumbersome yeah, for the user. Yeah, it definitely shouldn't be cumbersome for okay. the user. The, the user shouldn't have to make a you know, a decision at yeah. checkout mm-hmm. what sort of mobile device they have. Yeah. There's there's a generation of people out there that don't know what mobile device they have that have a Windows phone and are calling Apple for support or, you know, have an iPhone and are calling Google for support. I yeah. Mean, right. Consumers um, range in their knowledge and, and what they understand. Now, the, the person that's calling Windows for, for an Apple phone support probably doesn't have Apple based on it. But if you cater to sort of multiple people, but don't try to overwhelm them, like, yeah, have mobile payments and have the ability to just enter your, your credit card information, Yeah, most of your customers are going to be able to check out. And I think at the end of the day, just by enabling mobile payments, you may get a little bit of an increase in the amount of conversions. I imagine, too, there's, uh, going back to what you were saying about data and testing like if you do have solid data about who the average demographic you're selling to is like i know you know we have a client here whose customers trend older like maybe they just don't chase amazon pay or something as a weird you you know maybe they stick to fundamentals and just get a you know spend invest their capital dollars in like a really slick checkout with one or two mobile right making it easier for for their older demographic to Mm -hmm. use the checkout um and I, I think that's the balance you have to use. You know, things like Google Analytics provide some sort of demographic information, but there's definitely more ways to get that information. And most businesses know their demographic pretty well. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're selling thread online, because 
you know, most people make quilts and buy thread from you, you're probably going to have a lot of older um, generation of women who are making quilts that want to buy thread from you. And so you have an idea that you should probably structure your site to match them. Um, the same goes with checkout, right? Like you're, you're not going to want to just throw away your checkout and have it be just some ancillary thing where you're not making any sort of visual changes to it to appeal to your, your clients. You're going to want to be able to, to focus on your clients and your business in the checkout. I'm not saying change the checkout, you know, Magento, Salesforce, Commerce Cloud, Shopify, all these e-commerce brands have spent a lot of money on making their checkouts good checkouts. They have people, they're, they're well tested. They have people um, visually tested to make sure that, you know, like the visuals work and things like that, that the UX is appropriate. Um, but I think at the end of the day, you still have a business to run and you still need to make sure you're providing the right solution for your business. Before we wrap up, is there anything else you want to bring up? Um, I think convenience is key. Making it really easy for your consumers to check out is the way you're going to make the most uh, return on your investment. And if you're testing that, you're going to make a lot of business choices that are based on data, that are based on actual information. Um, if you're not testing it, you may be making the wrong choice. I think if you focus on convenience, like I said, you're going to want to make decisions about things like mobile pay and about improving your checkout to make it easier for your users to check out and convert um, and make sure that you're making the right decisions for your business because you're not, you're not going to be an Amazon anytime soon. You're not going to be able to compete in that space with, with Amazon and Walmart and target and stuff like that. And, they have their businesses and their websites are set up the way they are for their businesses. Make sure you're setting it up the right way for your business. All right. Thank you, Greg, for joining us today. This was fun. Um, so anyone listening, you'll be able to find all of our podcasts wherever you typically listen to podcasts or on the Blue Acorn website. If you're looking for ways to improve your existing e-commerce site or considering any a new e-commerce platform, please feel free to reach out to Blue Acorn. You can email us at info at blueacorn.com or call 843-793-5641. Until next time.